I have never preached a series of messages on the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bible, would you go there, please? If you open your Bible to the middle, you'll be in the book of Psalms, okay? Go right, and you'll go to Proverbs, and then you'll go to Ecclesiastes. Would you go there and hold your finger there as I give you a little introduction? I've never done a series from Ecclesiastes because I, it was a very weird book. It's about Ecclesiastes and the book of the Revelation are probably the two of the weirdest books in all of the Bible, other than maybe Ezekiel would be thrown in there as well, and some really hard-to-understand things. And because of that, I've avoided it. But because I get paid to preach and teach the Word of God to you, I force myself to be able to preach a series on Ecclesiastes and be able to learn this myself. And in learning this myself, I will be able to teach it uh, to you. And so we're in this whole thing uh, together. Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Solomon was David's son. He was the third king of all of Israel. He reigned over 3,000 years ago. Secular historians will tell you that that was the golden age of Israel. Even secular historians will admit that. It was the golden age of Israel. And Solomon reigned during this time. The Bible tells us that God gave Solomon an extra dose of understanding. He gave him an extra dose of knowledge. In fact, the Bible calls Solomon the wisest man who ever lived. So as we read this book and read some things in this book that will absolutely smack us in the face and read some things and learn some things in this book that we will disagree with and learn some things in this book that we will want to push back against, we must remember that if we take the Bible seriously, it's written by one who the Bible calls the wisest man who ever lived. He was so wise that the Bible says people came from other lands to sit at his feet and listen to his wisdom. I don't think we have anyone in our contemporary 2014 culture that could even compare to what Solomon was in those days and times. He reigned at an odd time in Israel's history because he reigned in a time where there was no military conflicts. There was peace on all the borders. He didn't have to worry about fighting wars. And because he didn't have to worry about fighting wars, he could do something that the wisest man in the world, you may think, would do a lot, and that's think. He was something of a philosopher. And so he sat around and he thought about the deep things of life. And deep things of life that Solomon thought about were some of the deep things of life that philosophers today think about. What is the meaning of life? What is the point to all of this? And his whole book of Ecclesiastes is a summary of his search for meaning of life. He is searching for meaning in life, and he tries to search in a lot of different areas for meaning of life. He tries to search with amusement. He just thinks, I'm just going to enjoy myself and laugh and not take anything serious. He tries to search and, 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 and experiment even with marriage. He had 700 wives. Now, I don't know how you jive the wisest man in the world with 700 wives, but you have to figure that out yourself or talk to God about that. But he tried to figure out the meaning of life in a lot of different ways. He tried all sorts of pleasure. Book of Ecclesiastes says that he withheld no pleasure from himself, and you can let your mind wander there, that he withheld no pleasure from himself. And this is a man who had vast sums of wealth, and because of his vast sums of wealth, he could indeed do that. He could withhold no pleasure from himself. The Bible says he had harems, he had concubines, and so he could be able to plumb the depths of sex and drugs and rock and roll. The Bible says he searched for meaning and achievement. They said he planted great vineyards, he built great projects. In fact, it was the temple that is called Solomon's Temple that he built. 
And he built great projects. He was something of a builder. He was something of an architect. He was something of a, a, a scientist. He had great wealth and power. And he, with all of that, he tried to search in different areas. He tried to be able to investigate the, uh, the meaning and the relationship of poor and, and, and the wealthy and, the, and tried to, the weak and the strong and fathers and, and sons. And he searched for, for meaning in all kinds of areas and, and achievement, trying to be able to, to just build and, 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 and work and, and build and accomplish great things and on and on and on it goes. And he really could do this. See, we can maybe try to do that, but we cannot even do it to a little bitty part of what Solomon did because of the resources he had to do it and the amount of, of, of wealth that he had to be able to really search the depths of all those things and try to find meaning in pleasure and try to find meaning in achievement. He tried to be able to search and find the, the, the why there is injustice in this world and, and why things don't seem to go the way they should go and why evil people seem to succeed and good people seem to fail. And he tried to find meaning in all of that. And after his search for meaning in all of that, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes with his answers, what we understand to be the book of Ecclesiastes. And so he's done his search. The wisest man who ever lived has done his search for meaning. What's the point? What's life all about? He's done his search, and he puts it down in what we have as the book of Ecclesiastes. And he opens his book this way in chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher calls himself a teacher. Some people translate it preacher. Most literal translation would be someone who speaks to an assembly. Someone who speaks to an assembly of people. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless. He searched for meaning, the point of it all, in amusement, in pleasure, acquisition, in achievement, sex, drugs, rock and roll. He tried to find meaning in all that, and when he gets done with his search, he says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Some of your older translations will say vanity. Vanity means empty. Everything is meaningless. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Okay. Now you can push back on that all you want. That's okay. You're pushing back against the Word of God. And if you take the Word of God seriously, you're pushing back against the wisest man who ever lived. There's something in my spirit that wants to push back against that. And there's something in your spirit that wants to push back against that. I get that. Verse 2 says, meaningless, meaningless. Verse 3, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils? Toils means work at which he works for under the sun. What does a man gain? Now, someone in the back says, well, he gains money. And I say, okay, what do you buy with your money? And and he says, well, I buy stuff with my money. And I said, well, what do you do with your stuff? And he says, I enjoy my stuff. And I said, well, what happens to your stuff? He says, well, it eventually wears out, and I sell it at a garage sale. And, and then what do you do? Well, I buy more stuff. 
And then what do you do with your stuff? Well, I enjoy my stuff. And, and then what, do you, what happens to your stuff? Well, it eventually wears out, and I sell it at a garage sale. And that's what Solomon is saying. Life is circular, Solomon is saying. Been there, done that. There's nothing new under the sun. And eventually you leave all of your stuff to your kids and they're going to waste it. All that stuff you worked hard for, they're going to waste it. I got thinking about, you know, if I retire here, you know, somebody's going to come in and pastor this church. You know, it might be Pastor Nathan. He's just going to mess everything up. I did up, man. It's just... It's all going to be go to nothing, man. What does a man gain from all the labor at which he toils under the sun? Next verse. Generations come and generations go. People come, people go. People come, people go. People, people, people. There's always people. You die, there'll be more people to come. People, people, people. People come, people go. Oh, but you're going to be remembered, aren't you? You're you're going to be remembered. Well, can you remember your great-great-grandfather's name? Do you remember his name? Do you remember what he did? That's only two generations ago. Anybody here know the name Martin Cooper? Raise your hand if you know the name Martin Cooper. It could be argued that in the last 50 years, no one has changed the world as much as Martin Cooper has, and you don't even know who he is. We have Martin's picture up here. That's that's one of the first cell phones right there. He invented the cell phone in 1973. I guess this could be argued, but I don't know if any invention in the last 50 years has changed our world as much as the cell phone has. They're all tied to us now, and we couldn't live without it. It's like oxygen. He invented it back in 73, took it 10 years to come to the market, came to the market in 83, and the first one cost $4,000 in 1983. It's $9,000 in our money today. He's changed the world, and not a single one of you knew who he was. People come, people go. People come, people go. You're going to die one day, and you know what? The sun's going to come up the next, and people are going to go to work and resume their lives, and People come, people go. The wisest man in the world ever said, but the earth remains forever. Next verse. We have a first service. I don't know how many of you know Chuck McKinney. Chuck McKinney just re- retired from Cedarville a while back, and Chuck McKinney ran food service at Cedarville, and the whole big food service there at Cedarville is Chuck's Cafe, and, and Chuck's going to come back in 30 years, and it's going to be Butch's Cafe, and nobody's going to remember Chuck. And nobody's going to give a parade for Chuck, and nobody's going to come in and embrace Chuck because they've all forgotten Chuck. It's Butch now. That's what Solomon says. That's what Solomon says. What has been will be again. Circle. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. You've heard that expression. You didn't know it was biblical. You didn't know it was biblical. There's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. What is done will be done again. 
The wisest man in the world says anything under the sun is circular. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Next verse. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift. Shouldn't the race go to the swiftest person? Shouldn't the race go to the fastest one? Shouldn't the race go to the quickest one? Isn't that fair? If the world was right, wouldn't the race go to the fastest person? Wouldn't the battle go to the strongest person if this world was right? If this world made sense, wouldn't the race go to the swiftest and the battle go to the strongest? But he says, I've seen that that doesn't happen. There is a randomness to this world. There is a two plus two that doesn't equal four to this world. Things don't make sense in this world. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to evil people. There is something about this world that doesn't make sense. Under the sun. Under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle not to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth come to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. But time and chance happen to them all. Why do some things happen? Solomon, the wisest person ever uh, live some of it is just chance and why we don't like that because some of us like to think there is a reason for everything and somehow think that God is behind everything I had a had, coming back from Tennessee last Sunday had a blowout Christopher and I had a blowout on on um, right in front of Kings Island in 2013 Malibu's they don't give you a spare tire they give you a little box that's an inflator and a sealer and I tried to inflate and seal, but the blowout was so bad I wasn't getting anywhere, so I had to call a tow truck. Tow truck got there about an hour and 15 minutes later, and as soon as he got in and stopped, a bunch of oil pulled out from under his engine. And so he couldn't tow me anywhere. And so he had to come and have somebody to fix his thing. So we sat in front of Kings Island for about, well, on 71, kind of in front of Kings Island, for about three hours. Now, why did that happen? I guess God was punishing me for something. Solomon says time and chance happened to everyone. You just have blowouts. I only had 11,000 miles on those tires. Why did it blow out? That's not fair. Solomon says the race doesn't go the swiftest and the battle doesn't go the strongest. Things happen in this world that aren't fair. Get over it. Get over it. Under the sun which is a phrase that he uses 29 times throughout all of the book of Ecclesiastes. Next. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. How do you chase after the wind? How do you catch the wind? The only reason you chase something is, is that you could hopefully catch it. How do you catch the wind? Is there anything more meaningless and more utterly empty and ridiculous and futile than trying to chase after the wind? Now that's what the wisest man in the world ever said. This is inspired scripture. This is as inspired as John 3.16. All things are done under the sun. They're meaningless. They're chasing after the wind. Verse 15. Next verse. Next verse. What is twisted cannot be straightened. He said, this world is twisted. This world doesn't make sense. I want to straighten it. I want to be able to make sense of it. I want to make this crooked and twisted world make sense. But he says, what is twisted cannot be straightened. It's twisted. It doesn't make sense. 
You cannot put this world in a box and every time someone does this, this will happen. This is the way God works every time. This is what happens. You do good, good things will happen to you. You can't always say that. It's twisted. What is twisted cannot be straightened and what is lacking cannot be counted. So don't try. And trying to straighten out what is twisted is meaningless. Because you may straighten it out, but as soon as you let it go, it's twisted again. And you may figure it out and, and somehow flatter yourself by thinking you figured it out and you straighten it out in your own might or in your own wisdom, and as soon as you let it go, it gets twisted again because it's twisted. It's twisted. It's twisted. Next verse. But, this is odd that he says this in chapter 3. Amidst all this pessimism, amidst all this stuff that you want to push back against, amidst all this stuff that I wouldn't wish wished was not in the Bible and you wish was not in the Bible, all of this stuff, he says every now and then he gives a little glimpse of hope. And he says everything is beautiful. He, has, he God, has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. He said eternity in the hearts of men. You have eternity in your heart, the wisest man the world ever said. He has it, you have eternity in your heart. And you know there is something more than under the sun. 29 times he uses a phrase, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless, under the sun, under the sun under the sun. He says, if you look at just this world, what you can see, what you can touch, what you can feel, the stuff that's under the sun, he says it's meaningless. He says it's meaningless. Under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, 29 times. It's meaningless. It's empty. It's futile. Under the sun. All your toil is in vain. Under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, 29 times. But he says that God has set eternity in your hearts and you know there's something in your heart. You just know it. You don't know what it is. You're not sure what it tastes like. You're not sure what it looks like. You're not sure what it feels like. But God said, but Solomon says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the wisest man of the world says, he set eternity in your hearts and you know there's something more than under the sun living. You know there is. Believer, unbeliever, you know there's something more. You know there's something more. And so we try to find those more things, and so we do sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and we, 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 we do all those things. We try to, we try to pour ourselves in, into our, our careers, or we pour ourselves into achievement, or we pour ourselves into business, because actually, you know, there's got to be more than this, because there's something in my heart that says eternity, and, and there's got to be something more than this. And Solomon says, you know, every now and then he has made something beautiful in his time, and every now and then you get a little glimpse of eternity. Every now and then something happens that says wow, that's got to be God. Every now and then your child will, will come up and, and, and do something or say something and it'll so melt your heart that you said there's more to life than just under the sun. There's a little glimpse of beauty there. You'll look at a sunset and you'll say, that's not chance. Every, every now and then something will happen. You'll be sitting in the worship space and, and God's word is being preached. And, and even though eight to five is all under the sun, you'll, you'll, you'll hear truth being preached and the truth has set you free. And you'll say, yes, there is more. 
there is more because he said eternity in your hearts he said eternity in your hearts so believer and unbeliever alike there's something in your heart that desires for more and we try to be able to feel that in every different ways. We buy new living room furniture. We buy a bigger house. We buy a new car. We try to feel that. We try to take the vacation of our dreams. And all that stuff can be well and good. But it's under the sun. And Solomon says, everything under the sun is meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Now, some of you are pushing back right now in your minds. You're too sophisticated to stand up and throw rotten eggs at me right now. But you... But, you're pushing back. Me too. Me too. God has made you for something not under the sun. So why do we invest our life in under the sun stuff? He has set eternity. The wisest man in the world. It said he has set eternity in your hearts. Uh, even though he said eternity in our hearts, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning of the end. I can't figure God out. I don't know his ways. I don't know why he does that. I don't know why he goes there. I don't know why that happens. I can't figure out his heart. I can't figure out his mind. I just don't, I can't figure everything out about God. I don't know why that happens. I don't know why the tsunami happens. I don't know why that person died of cancer, even though they prayed. Next verse. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will either revere or fear him. So God allows us to get to this state of futility. God allows us to give this state of emptiness. God allows us to, to become really freaked out over the nothingness of life so that we will come to him, so that people will fear him, so people that will understand there is something else other than under the sun living. It's part of his grace. That's why I prayed for some of, some of your kids out here, and I prayed that they'd, they'd get thrown in jail if they'd have to get thrown in jail, if that's what to straighten them out. One of the most loving prayers you can be able to make is that your kid would reach rock bottom. That your kid would reach rock bottom because when they reach rock bottom, just maybe they'll look above the sun. Just maybe they'll look above the sun. I had to reach rock bottom at the age of 34. And admit what the, my own self-sufficiency had done for me and what my under-the-sun living had done for me before I would, would, would acknowledge that eternity was in my heart and I would look above the sun for something deeper and more important, and more fulfilling, and more meaningful than just under the sun living. So God does this so that men will fear or reveal him. Fear is not like afraid, cower down. Fear is respect. Fear is, fear is reverence. Fear is awe. Fear is God is God and I ain't. Fear is, is he's in control. He's sovereign. What else do we have, Jim? I thought in my heart God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity and a time for every deed. I looked at this world and saw that crooked things can't be made straight. I looked at this world and saw the race does not always go to the swift. I looked at this world and saw that the battle does not always go to the strong, but there is a day coming. 
where there is a righteous judgment that will be made. There's a day coming where righteous judge will set all things right. There's a day coming where the people in this world that have done evil but they succeeded, they will get their due. There's a day coming that God will bring all things into rightness. They aren't now, and we could go to Genesis 3 if we wanted to and talk once again about the fall and why things aren't the way they should be right now. But there's a day, the Bible promises and Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes and it's so many other places in the Bible, the day that God will set all things right. And there will be divine judgment. Next verse. Now it comes to the end of the book. This is the second to last verse in all the book. So I've searched and I've searched and I've searched and I've, I've searched for meaning and pleasure and I've searched for meaning and achievement and I've searched for meaning in sex, drugs, and rock and roll and I, I've searched for meaning in everything that my vast wealth and power will allow me to search. And here is the conclusion of the whole thing, Solomon says. Fear God and keep his commandments. The wisest man who ever lived, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this is what it all comes down to. When push comes to shove, you want to get to the bottom line of this thing, fear God, respect Him, reverence Him, and keep His commandments. But, but, but I was faithful to my husband and he just left me and I didn't and he's out with this young woman and he's spending all the money that we'd work to earn I know that fear God and keep his commandments but, but I've been out of work for two and a half, year, two and a half years and, and I've been praying and praying and praying and I can't get a job, can't get a job. I don't, I, I'm sorry fear God and keep his commandments but my kids are way off in a far country and we had them in church every single Sunday and, and now they won't even walk into church. And I'm sorry about that, but fear God and keep his commandments. My spouse won't come to church and, 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 and they mock my Christian faith and, and we're not equally yoked and, 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 and my spouse is not into what I'm into and I, I want so much to have a marriage where we're both honoring Christ. I'm sorry about that. Fear God and keep his commandments. I'm sorry about that, but the race doesn't go the swift. And the battle doesn't go to the strong. This world is twisted and you can't straighten it out. But I, I don't care. Feel God, fear God and keep his commandments. But what about fear God? Well, why do they get fear God and keep his commandments? Everything under the sun is meaningless. And if you want to have any meaning and purpose in life, you have to live above the sun. And you have to keep a kingdom perspective. And you have to know that this world is not your home. And we sing it, but I don't think we mean it. When we've been there 10,000 years. Wow. I mean, I might live, if I live as long as my dad, I've got 21 years left to live. 76 years. But there's eternity. There's, e there's eternity. 
good friend of mine that was on the basketball staff with me at Indiana State University. He kept coaching basketball, and I went to the ministry, and we were basketball coaches together at Indiana State, and uh, he has cancer, and he's dying. He's younger than I am. Got three teenage girls. Um, I saw, I met with him in, in Annapolis last year, and saw a picture of him on Facebook this week, and it's, you know, cancer is really taking its toll, and lost a lot of weight he's got tumors bulging and i sent him this verse though outwardly we are wasting away inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles now mike sailor doesn't feel like feel like what he's going through is light and momentary he doesn't he doesn't but listen to scripture in the light of eternity. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's above the sun living. For we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know if this is earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. A measly little 75 years of under the sun living. A measly little 75 years of, 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 of twisted that can't be straightened out. A measly little 75 years of races not going to the swift. A measly little 75 years of battle not going to the strong. And there's one day, one day, that if you live above the sun and keep your have an eternal and kingdom perspective, there's one day where things will be made right. And I don't understand what it's going to be like, and I can't explain it to you, and I really don't know. But whatever I could possibly try to explain it to you, it'll be gobs better than that. Are you living under the sun? Are you so bogged down with the everyday? I get, I get that way. So bogged down with the everyday. and the, You just get focused under the sun. And you don't keep that kingdom perspective and realize there is above the sun living. Let me close with a few things. Let me talk to all the young people for a few minutes. Young people that here are teens or singles that are not married yet, let me talk to you. What, what, so what, what's your application because of this message? What's the application that you want to be able to take young people, single people? You know, one application would be to, you know, since everything's meaningless, you can go throw yourself under a bus, I guess. You know, people do that all the time. Kurt Cobain stuck a shotgun to his head because he realized it. Young people, single people, don't think that any spouse, any job, any education, any amount of money, any car, any friend is going to bring you the happiness that you desire in this life. Don't think that. It's under the sun. It's good. Nothing wrong with pleasure. 
He didn't, he didn't put down pleasure. He just says pleasure is not going to bring the meaning that you want. Go, go enjoy the beach. Go enjoy the ocean. Go enjoy things that God has made for us. Have a pleasurable life. That's, that's good, but don't think that's going to fill the void. Don't think when you get married and find that man or find that woman that everything is going to be great. I mean, Sue found the greatest guy she could ever find, and, and it ain't worked out real well sometimes. Young people, single people, it's, it's not the newest this and the newest that. It's not the newest car. It's not the best job. It's not that college. It's not all of those things are well and good. It's under the sun, though. Invest in eternity. And what do you mean, Mark, invest in eternity? Well, let me tell you, the only thing I can take to eternity is somebody else. The only thing I can take to eternity is somebody else. I'm leaving everything else here. Invest in people. Invest in relationships. It's the only thing you can take to eternity with you. The rest of your stuff, you're going to leave it all right here. Married people, as you strive to make a living and Provide for your family as you should. The Bible says you're worse than an infidel if you don't provide for your family. As you provide for your family, give your family a nice house and take nice vacations and, and, and planning for the future and, and planning for their college and all that well and good stuff. All that well and good stuff. As you give them good experiences, as you put them on the soccer team, as you put them on the basketball team, as, as you give them good experiences in life, as, as you take them here and take them there to broaden their horizons, all that is well and good. But in the effort to do that, don't neglect. Don't neglect the most important thing, and that's investing in relationships. You've got to work 50 hours a week to be able to buy that house. You've got to, you've, you, you've got to work some extra overtime to be able to, 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 to buy that furniture. You've got, to, you, you've got to take a new job and, and, and move across the country because it's paying $20,000 more, and you've got to move away from all your family and all your friends and all your support group, but there's $20,000 pay raise that comes over there. It's under the sun, man. Provide for your family. Oh, provide for your family. Give them, give them good things, the best things that you can possibly give them, but don't neglect your relationships with them. I'm making, I, we, we left and moved up here in 2004, and presently I'm making $30,000 more a year than I did in 10 years ago. Now, that's a considerable amount of money. If you told me back in 2004, Mark, you're going to get a $30,000 raise, I thought I'd be rolling in it, man. But now, you know, it's, it's all budgeted somewhere, you know. I could use another 30000 you know. <laughs> I thought $30,000 back then, man, that, man, if I could get, wow, do you know if, I, if we had $30,000 more in our uh, income, do you know what we could do? It's not going to bring you happiness. Buy them a nice house. I'm not telling you not to provide for your family. I'm saying don't forget your family. In, 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 in striving for achievement and striving in your career. Don't forget the most important thing in your life. I deal with people all day, and I got people in my office, and people tell me their troubles. And sometimes I go home, and I'm so tired of hearing people's troubles, but I got to go home, and I'm going home to the most important people in my life.
And if there's anyone I need to listen to, it's them. And I'm tired, and I don't. And sometimes I have to grip myself and make myself because now my life really starts. These are the people God has given me to invest into. Whether we live in a 3,600-square-foot home or whether we live in a 1,000-square-foot home. Or whether I make $200,000 a year or whether I make $25,000 a year. Empty nesters, can I say something to you? You know, when I retire, man, I, 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 you know, I want to go golfing and play tennis. I want to travel around to tennis tournaments all over the country and see the world that way and spend time in Florida. And I want to do all that. And, you know, that's, I get that. I want to do that. And that's probably not horrible. But you know what? That's under the sun stuff. If only thing in this world was just pleasure, then I just move to Florida and play golf and play tennis every day. And that's all there is to this world. And when I retire, I'm just going to, we're going to go and we're going to live at that, whatever that place everybody goes in Florida is and they retire. And, and, and we're just going to play golf and play tennis and play bridge every day. Because the only thing there is is under the sun. But can I tell you, empty nesters, you are needed. And maybe you can be needed at that retirement community in Florida and you can be used in the church down there but you we you empty nester you 50 60 year old 65 year old you need to be able to tell the younger people the 30s and 40s that under the sun living is not what it's cracked up to be you need to be an example for them and you say well I can't be an example for anybody well maybe you can be a bad example and tell them what not to do It's important to learn. It's just as important to learn what to do as it is to learn what not to do. And maybe you can take a young couple around you, and I say, "Well, I don't know what to tell you to do, but here's ten things to tell you not to do." Right here. We need you who have come to the end of the way and realize that even though you you get in that pension check and and you got that award for being that great employee and they gave you that watch when you retired and all that kind of stuff, it did not bring you satisfaction. It still left you empty. And there's got to be something more. And the key to it is to live above the sun. The key to it is to invest in eternity. And the only thing that you can do and invest in eternity is to invest in people because it's the only thing you can take to heaven with you. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly, whatever translation you would use. And that's a very odd thing to, for Jesus to say, very odd. Because he says, to you people who are now living, I'm talking to you now that are living, I've come that you would have life. You people that are alive and breathing, I've come that you would have life. So Jesus is saying something like Solomon is saying, to you people that are living, but you're living under the sun, I've come so that you can live above the sun. I've come that you would have life to the full. I've come so that you would have life more abundantly. And it's just a little bit part of, of abundant living, knowing that your past has been erased. There's a little bit of part of abundant living knows that you are a new creation in Christ 
And whatever happened back then is back then, and it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I can live confidently and not worried about all the stupid things I did 20 years ago. It's part of abundant living, knowing that Jesus died, but you can't say he died unless you say he was resurrected. And because he's resurrected, I will be resurrected, the Bible says. And there's another place, another place. Paul agrees with Solomon because Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, if the dead not be raised, let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If the dead not be raised, let me just go have sex with as many women as I can well, why, why not? Why wouldn't I do that? Well, that's not very nice to sue. Who cares? I mean, who cares? Who cares? If the dead not be raised. But because he died. And he was raised again. There's above the sun place for us. Where... Everything will be straight. And the race will go to the swift. And it'll all seem to make sense. Our communion servers are coming. And we usually go to the table and we are proclaiming the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is appropriate. But again, it's hard to be able to talk about the death without knowing that we live on the other side of the empty tomb. And there's resurrection. There's resurrection. And knowing there's resurrection means there's more to this life than under the sun living. It's meaningless if everything's under the sun. But because it's, there's above the sun living, I can invest in eternity. And how do you invest in eternity? I invest in people. Because it's the only thing I can take to eternity with me. Father, we've heard ancient wisdom today. Wisdom that absolutely is contrary to the wisdom of the world. Because the wisdom of this world is to go for the gusto and get as much as you can can while you're here. But Father, You've opened our hearts and minds. You've opened our blind eyes. And we understand the truth of above the sun living. Forgive us all because all of us fall into the trap of under the sun living. Forgive us. May we have a kingdom perspective. And may we realize when all is said and done, amongst the good and the bad, the just and the unjust, it seems to boil down to fearing and respecting you and living life the way you tell us is best. Father, we come to the table, not only remembering his death, but remembering his resurrection and his words that he said, today you will be with me in paradise, a place that's above the sun. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables are open.